Welcome to Educator Forever, where we empower teachers to innovate education. Join us each week to hear stories of teachers expanding their impact beyond the classroom and explore ways to reimagine teaching and learning. As the co-founder and CEO of Mindly Games, Tatum Moser is on a mission to make math practice fun for kids. With her talented team, she's creating engaging games that inspire young learners to develop their math skills in a fun and exciting way. Tatum has a wealth of experience in the ed tech industry, having served as an education consultant, startup advisor, and VP of content at education.com. However, she is particularly proud of her time spent teaching kindergarten and first grade in the Bay Area, where she developed a passion for helping children discover the joy of learning. Hello, Tatum. So glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Well, I would love for you to start by telling us about your journey as an educator. My journey as an educator. It got a rocky start, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I was in the program for my credential, I had actually like stage fright with kids. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Tell us about it. I actually, from the very beginning, was like, oh my God, can I do this? You know, like, and I just would have a really hard time getting up in front of kids. And the first part of the journey was me like figuring that out, right? Because like I did, I had stage fright, like, and and I have that, like, that's like a lifelong issue that I face. Like my mom Mm -hmm. always wanted me to be a singer and I loved singing, but like I would get up on stage and like freak out, you know, like, and I just, it like would give me tummy ache. And I had this like really hard experience actually, you know, at the very beginning of my teaching career or the teaching program where a master teacher was really hard on me, you know, and she would like say stuff like, you're losing them. (laughs) (laughs) So Della came to observe me. That was my advisor, you know, Della, she she, Mm -hmm. she was in the program too. And she just like kind of took like, like a really empathetic view, you know, and it was like, you need to be with somebody really supportive. You know, it's like, I have some good ideas, you know, for who it would be. And it was actually both you and Nancy King. So she very strategically put me with you and with Nancy King. And then I was able to like, be a teacher, I think. Best. I didn't know that she strategically put us together. I mean, yeah, because she saw what the first placement did, you know, like, because it actually like, I was already kind of like, probably in a uh-oh state, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of like my confidence. But that was that was the beginning of my teaching career. And it like really helped me to like, figure out how to how to make it through some hard stuff. And like, especially the times when you're like questioning yourself and like, crap, can I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's like, the very first lesson I learned as a teacher, was probably the one that like, I have to keep reminding myself of forever. (laughs) You know, like I can do this, I can figure this out, you know, or I can find the people, you know, and advocate for myself to get with the people that will help me to figure this out. Yes, that's so interesting. Like just the environment piece too. Yeah. Experience that too, like even doing the same exact job in different environments, like it makes all the difference. So it's like, sometimes it's not the job, it's the environment, whether it's teaching or doing something else. No, totally. And yeah, that was, I mean, like, that's the next part, right? Which is that I got that really, like, I was so lucky to get that placement in Berkeley, like my first year teaching, but like, to have come from your classroom, where I did like the end of my, my student teaching, and then to go into the teaching environment, where it was like, 
when I was with you, everything was so collaborative and like just, you know, so supportive. And in this new environment, it was a very totally different world with regards to like how teachers interacted. Like it wasn't more of like a people collaborating. It was like a people like hiding, (laughs) like don't steal my ideas. That was, that was a great experience too at the end of it, you know, because I was like, okay, like I need to pay attention to what type of environments I put myself in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course I got to be with you and then I, I got to take over. I was, I mean, all of that was all so lucky, right? Like the, the beginning was rocky. The beginning yeah. was totally rocky for me with teaching. And like, then I got to Knox and like had you. And that was when I feel like my teaching career really started, you know, like. I got to benefit from being with you twice, which was amazing. Like, cause you, before you left, I got to sit and watch you teach again. So like, I got like this double master teacher experience and you taught me how to be like, call him chaos. <laughs> no. And like, that was just like, even, even now when I go into classrooms, I'm like, ah, like I still invoke you. I still say things you used to say. It's like, I literally <laughs> hear your words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> every time I go I'm still waiting (laughs) so good I do that to my own kids sometimes still like I'll be like still waiting for you to (laughs) shoes off the ground (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome well yeah for context to like Tatum student taught my class then taught in her own classroom and then when I was on maternity leave before then it was awesome because you were able to like come in and learn the routines and then take over which was also like such a gift to me to be like oh this is ideal you know like my students are in good hands like it felt very seamless yeah and it was I mean it was the ultimate gift to me too just to be able to to go in and then to get to stay yeah, that was just such a Knox is like still I feel like both Knox and education.com, you know, like are the two professional experiences that really stand out in such a positive way. Yeah. You know, like that they were just such like happy environments, you know, where like people really took care of each other and like people were encouraged to be brave and yeah, and try new things. So yeah, tell us about that transition. Like so you were classroom teaching and then what did you do next? Yeah. So at the end of, you know, I think what a lot of educators are facing, I got tired, mm-hmm. you know, like I, fa- I faced an, Real talk. A, yeah, <laughs> I was exhausted, you know, and I had a particularly like difficult semester and I actually don't know of many times where I've ever been that tired, like really, truly, like just exhausted from the, mm-hmm. the stuff that was going on. And I was, that's the first time I started to question, like, I don't know if I can actually do this forever. You know, like, I don't know if this is sustainable. Like I'm going home to my kids with like nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that was, yeah, I was like doing a lot of escapist coping mechanisms too. Like, you know, like Mariah introduced me to Sophie Kinsella. So I was just reading like girl trash novels all the time to like try to distract myself. <laughs> Well, that was so funny. It was so, it was so great. And it actually got me. I, I still look back on that time, the hard time, like what got me through it was like seeing you do something else. Right. And reading Sophie Kinsella. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But I think that like, honestly, that is a good message for everybody of like <laughs> having a model of somebody or some, you know, something out there that you yeah. could do, even if it's just like seeing different possibilities. Totally. Like I think Sometimes when it's a hard time, like we all get so narrow in our focus of like, well, like what else can I do? So like seeing other options and then also like 
yeah, figuring out what works to make you feel good in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's like long-term, short-term strategies. No, totally. And I mean, the I think another thing that like really set me up, like I'm just so grateful. Like Carolyn put me on that amazing program with Agency by Design. That opened doors. It really, really did. Like having that in my background, having been able to work on that project. Yeah. So tell us about that. That was actually mid, that was my transition point, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was this maker-based research program that was coming out of Project Zero and Agency by Design. Yeah. That was my first experience with like starting to like work with developing like and watching people develop thinking routines, right? Like, cause we were working with the researchers and like helping them to refine the thinking routines and then helping them to come up with lessons, you know, that would effectively utilize those thinking routines, like all the different applications. Mm -hmm. And especially for the lower grades, they were like, how do you use this in kindergarten? We're like actually thinking about this for like middle school. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do with a (laughs) five-year-old? And they pulled me for their, they had like a little learning design group that was helping to write lessons and do all of that stuff. So that was really, really fun. And that gave me the entry point to like thinking, okay, yeah, curriculum design is something that I would really like to do. And um, I started Craigslisting it up. Yes. And I think I remember messaging you and being like, oh my God, I see this really cool post for education.com. They were looking for somebody to align their common core materials. And it was like, I, I just feel comfortable even saying this on a podcast. I do. It was the luckiest entry point into the most monotonous, horrible, boring, mind-numbing task <laughs> that any person could ever be given. <laughs> oh, I remember when I first left the classroom, like, and did similar, you know, mind-numbingly boring, like, alignment mm-hmm. tasks that it honestly felt like a vacation in some ways to me. Because <laughs> I was like, it's nowhere near as hard as teaching. And, like, I had a baby at that point, too. So I was like, just give me the most boring thing possible. Totally. <laughs> Not sustainable yeah. in the long term, either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I feel like if I hadn't been doing it for an entire year, a more short-term task, like, it would have been okay. You know, but like I, I ended up getting carpal tunnel too because like the way the way that we did it, we had that Common Core CSSO website back yeah. in the day where we were literally copying and pasting, you know, like different stuff into this like you know huge spreadsheet of you know links to the worksheets and like yeah, in the beginning I loved it because I was like yeah, do something different. This is amazing. Like, and I could work from home and like I took a trip to New York and was able to work from a cafe. And I was like, this is it. This is the life. (laughs) Wait, was this, were you also teaching at this point? So that's an interesting story. Again, this is like, you know, I feel like my my journey's taken like multiple stages. So I was doing that for education.com. They asked me to come on as a contractor. You know, it was going to be like almost full time, but it still would have been a contract. So I was already feeling like, whoa, this is risky, but I think I'm going to do it. You know, like, I think I'm going to do it. Yeah. I quit my job and that was really painful. (laughs) And everybody at education got laid off like a month later. I was like, oh, (laughs) okay. You can't predict, right? I mean, this is like the best initiation into startups that I ever could have been given. I ended up basically like, I I panicked 
So I ended up reaching out to our network and I think it was Ember actually. Yeah. She's, she had just moved into Berkeley Unified and heard from somebody that was like desperately looking for like a kindergarten teacher. And I was like, Oh, thank you. Thank you universe. (laughs) Yeah. And I basically got the job the next day. And so it was, so (laughs) I went from like telling my old school that I absolutely loved I'm quitting to go do this new thing. And suddenly I'm at a new school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but we were talking about before this podcast interview too. It's like being a teacher is pretty much always in demand. So it's like, that's also the great thing. It is. It is totally. Oh my gosh. Like what's happening? Like, how do I make this work? It's like, okay, you got a job tomorrow. Totally. Yeah. And so I was able to work at that job and also keep that contract. Just, but just on like a smaller level. I kept that contract for almost a year and then summer rolled back around again and I was still working on aligning those common core standards. <laughs> they were in a brace because <laughs> that's what I was doing on the weekends and before school. I ended up, there was this amazing woman and she's the one that actually had taken over. She was moving and she was going to be stepping down from her editorial director position and they needed somebody to step in and they were looking for someone and she recommended me. And like, it was just, yeah, I just got so lucky. I got so lucky. Like, and then I met the CEO and the most amazing boss I ever had. I got ridiculously lucky after being not so lucky. (laughs) I mean, part of it, right? But part of it is like you persevered, right? Like there are some like... And also you like, you kept going, right? And making like whatever the best next step was. And like being open to those opportunities too. Like I think a lot of people would be like, oh, after that layoff, you know, that you witnessed and going back to classroom, a lot of people would just be like, nope, stay in a classroom teacher. Yeah. Like the fact that you kept doing the contract on the side, like you decided to go after this other position. Like it's all also like the steps that you took along the way to consider or like explore things. Yeah. And I'm I'm so glad that I did it. And I still think back too, because like I was in search of that partner teacher relationship. Like I really just wanted that, you know, for my life. And I had found her. It was my friend, Michelle, that I was working with. And then like when I went to education.com, that was the hardest part of the decision for me because I was no longer looking to leave the classroom. I was actually quite happy teaching with her. And like, I could envision like many, many years (laughs) into the future, like coming to her class first thing in the morning with coffees and be like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean like that there's, there's definitely a bit of like loss to my story, I think in leaving teaching, because like, I think one of the things that I really learned too, like in my time at education.com is like, I really started to miss teachers and kids in a way that I just was not able to emotionally process until I finally got back into the classroom in Switzerland, mm-hmm. you know, and saw the impact that it had on me as a person. And I was yeah. like, Oh, I need this. Like I actually, I really do. Like, this isn't just about missing it. Like I need this in my life. Like it makes my life better. It makes me better to be around. I think it makes anybody better to spend time around teachers to be totally honest. I think this is truly underrated how amazing teachers are. Yes. Like just they're at the forefront of everything. Absolutely. And like are generally like so awesome. Like I yeah. also like selfishly started an educator forever because I was like, I miss hanging out with teachers all the totally. time. And now it's like so awesome to be like, oh, all my teacher friends all over the country, you know, getting together. And so yeah, tell us about that transition. So you were at education.com, you had a variety of different 
roles there. And then you moved to Switzerland. Yeah. So I moved here and I definitely did move here with that thought in my mind because like, I mean, I was doing content at education.com at the end and like I'm moving to a German speaking country. So like, I don't know how many content jobs there's going to be for an English speaking (laughs) woman. (laughs) Yeah. When I made the decision to move here, I had already kind of like, you know, made the decision like, yes, I want to go back to teaching, you know, like I, I do want to do it. And I applied for my first job and like suffered the serious karma. I remember we went through this like interview process at Knox once where there was this woman who was coming with this like amazing background. Like she had been a teacher and then she went off to curriculum development. She was like so wonderful. And we were like, yeah, but she just hasn't had enough recent teaching experience. Oh, you know, I know it was super sad. And like, we didn't hire her. <laughs> and then same thing happened to me. <laughs> and of course, I mean, like I hadn't taught in like six or seven years, you know, so I went back to the director there and I was like, listen, you know, like I got to get my foot in the door somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm up for it. Like, I know that subbing's the way. <laughs> like, do you- <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, like, do you have a sub position? And that ended up being, I cannot tell you what an amazing job being a sub is. I only ever did it in Berkeley, like, you know, when I was going through grad school. And that was a little bit wild because like you're getting through all the schools, you know, so you don't really establish relationships. But if you ever have the opportunity to just be a sub at one school, oh, <laughs> Yeah. It's the best thing ever. It's the best (laughs) thing ever. Like you get to know people, you establish relationships, you get to know the kids, you know, like just all of that. Like you get, you actually get a bit of what it feels like to still be a teacher and also be somebody who like is there when people need support, you know? And like that feels really good too, to be able to come and like be, you know, stability for the kids because they know you at that point and like, you know, reassurance for the teacher who always feels bad about being sick, but you know, like it's nice if they know somebody. And so, yeah. And like, just being, like I said, being around teachers again and it's just, it's the best thing. Like even my husband was like, you are like a different person, Yay. you know, like he's like, you're like a different person when you come back from the classroom and when you come back from having that. And I, like I said, the school is special. The school is so special. Like it's just such a sweet place. And like all of the people that are there are so sweet. And the administration is like super sweet. <laughs> the kids are adorable. And like, again, they have Lakeshore like, <laughs> <laughs> for a resource yeah, room. Tell about this resource room because I still have my mind blown by it. <laughs> oh my god, it's the mo- it honestly I feel like this school is a model for what schools should look like. Mm-hmm. They're a model for what schools should look like. I mean, the teachers don't have a lot of um they do have personal belongings, but it's not like where you own your entire classroom like it is in the United States because you procured all of those materials, you know, like over the course of years and your own money and like you know, which is oftentimes the case. And here they're like just swapping things in and out. You know, like I told you that amazing story, like at the end of the year, I was looking for, I was teaching kindergarten for the last two weeks of school and I wanted to like set up, you know, stretch and explore centers for them. And I go into this amazing, actually I didn't go into the, I discovered the amazing resource room while, whilst being tasked with something and walked past the room and was like, what is (laughs) and what laid in the resource room an entire (laughs) bucket of magnet tiles like where in the world do you go where you just find an unclaimed giant collection of magnet tiles you know it's like hundreds of dollars of magnet tiles (laughs) you know and I, i did i felt like a thief 
like carry it like I like all like covertly was carrying them out of the room like somebody's <laughs> gonna see me you know like carrying these to my classroom but it, I'm like that was okay that's what this school does they trade materials in and out when the kids aren't actively using something or when they've grown tired of it they take it back to that room and then it's open for other teachers to use it and I'm just like and like all those lakeshore games you remember yeah. all those lakeshore oh, games yeah, totally oh my god like it was actually like being in a library. They had one of those things where it's like a rolling library thing where it, it like opens and closes and reveals more games and then you open what? the other side. <laughs> like even more, it's like rows and rows of Lakeshore Seriously games. amazing. Yeah, yeah no. But, um, again, I just imagine a world where like all teachers are that well-resourced. I yeah, really do, right? especially in the United States. I mean, again, I'm talking about an international school. So like, I know that there's just a lot more resourcing there in general, you know, because parents are paying tuition. It's a private school, but like that should just be the that should just be that way. way it should just yeah. be that way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So thinking about too that transition, like kind of back to the classroom in some form, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too because we all have different things, and I always talk about like different points in your life, like you want different things, yeah, you know, yeah. and different things are a better fit. And so I think it's always kind of tuning into like, do I feel like I need a kid fix? Like, do I need time with teachers? Do I need time to just like sit alone in a room and like, write? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I totally. felt like having a baby and like coming out of <laughs> kindergarten for seven years. I was like, just let me be in a quiet room. So I think different points in your life, like then when my kids got older, I was like, oh, I want more teacher time. Like mm-hmm. I need more interaction with teachers, like all sorts of things. Like it's always changing. Yeah, totally. And so I think that's cool for people to think about too. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other too, because I know in addition to subbing, you are also yeah. starting a business, which I would love for you to tell us about Mindly Games and kind of how that came about. And what yeah. That so that came about actually because I was subbing. And unfortunately, my son was getting sick all the time. Like, oh my God, sickness in Switzerland is a whole different beast than it is in California. Like little kids here, when you first put them into daycare, they're sick from like October to April, like straight. Like there were, there were times like here I am like paying for this daycare thinking that I'm going to be subbing. I was home for months (laughs) with my son because he was just sick the entire time. I had been on Facebook talking to my friend Mike that I used to work with on the games and we were just missing each other. You know, like that was the hardest thing about moving to Switzerland and not working, you know, together with the people that I loved anymore. And we just were like, it'd be so great if we could just like conjure some reason to work together again. Mike is also a special human. Like he is the most uplifting and like just, he's just constantly like this positive force of like, good and love in the world and he like makes you feel good about the work you do and he's just like his cheerleader right and so yeah. I was like oh my god if I could just work with Mike again <laughs> that would yeah. be so great yeah and so me and him and we we pulled on a few more friends we were like this sounds like so much fun you know like we should just definitely do this we started like real slow you know like it took us about a year to get some first games done when we launched uh, in January and that was the point at which I pulled my poor husband off. <laughs> so yeah, we really needed an engineer. This poor man. I mean, it's awesome you have an engineer around. Yeah, I know. It's really awesome. We, we have Peter for the site. And then we also have this incredible engineer, Esteban. And he just like is a mastermind for engineering games. You know, like he's built games for like PlayStation and Nintendo. And they're just both incredible and super fun to work with. And 
But we made the decision in February that I just really wanted to give it a go, you know, and a try. And I would say, as with all things, you know, like the timing is not right. There's what's going on in Silicon Valley that is known as a funding winter right now. Very Game of Thrones. like. (laughs) 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 But like, it's not an easy funding environment right now. And I was spending a ton of time on it for a little while. And then I ended up making the decision, you know, like, hey, let's put a timeline on this. Like, when can we financially afford to do this until, you know, and we ended with August. And I think we were having this conversation like May or June. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do with my time? Am I going to continue on and just pray for the best with this funding? Cause that that's like full-time job, you know, like you don't really have time to like build stuff or am I just going to focus on the product, you know, and build as many games as I possibly can. And so that was the decision that I made. And so I knew that came with a cost you know, that we were not going to be able to just like, you know, secure funding. And if it wasn't at a point where it would be able to make money, which obviously we're too, too early on, I would need to go back to teaching. But again, I can be a sub. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. But I'm so grateful for that school. It's really, really cool. But I I love my We're having like so much fun. Yeah. it's, It's so, so much fun, but it's also a hustle. You know, yeah. like, and that's, I invoke my inner Lily Jones all the time because you built your business on the side of like working in so many different, I mean, we're, yeah, I remember you going to those meetings, like before I even left the classroom, which was like a group of women trying to start businesses and like hold each other accountable. Like yeah. that was you right way back yeah, in the yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. That was when I was still in the classroom. And then like we worked together at education.com for like what, five, six years. And you were still doing like a, a, that whole time you were still working on all of that. And so like, yes, it makes it, it makes it like a happy process. I'm like, this is just how it goes. You know, like I'm yeah. just building something slowly. And luckily we are from such an amazing profession where you can keep going back to it when you need to, you know, and that there are possibilities there to support you. And I think just emotional, like, you know, health too. It's just great to go back to the classroom. Sometimes it really, really is. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I love that. And I've never had experience like getting outside funding of a company, but I have enjoyed like, it's really demoralizing. I know. I'm like, avoid it at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, that seems intense and yeah. like maybe worked out for the better too of like having a pause on that and to focus on creating and like even though it's slower growth like you get to be more in it yeah and so I think like I definitely you know as you said like I've had many years uh till like the past couple years of being able to like go full force into educator forever mm-hmm. you know but like many many years of being like okay I'm gonna like start this online course but like you know 20 people take it so it's not gonna like fund my life and so I also need to do other things on the side and (laughs) so I think like having that also that sense of that's what we all need to make like make for ourselves or figure out for ourselves of like all right I need this like um, and it goes back to like the short-term long-term thing again Mm -hmm. too like I need this amount of income every month or every year and like you know the pies kind of shrink if that makes sense like I had this like pie of like consulting and curriculum writing Mm -hmm. that was big and then like a tiny little bit of educator forever to start and then it's like flip-flopped you know and so so like that's awesome but it was like not immediate right like it's like oh and then this part it becomes 50 50 and then Mm -hmm. it goes more you know so I think that it's okay for anybody to like 
choose to do something in the short term that does not necessarily align with their long term goal. And that that often like enables the growth of what you really want to happen. No, I completely agree. And I don't want to make it seem like you always have to fall back on teaching. Like once you've got like a solid consulting portfolio, like I'm also doing consulting, like I'm still doing consulting right now, you know, and like, that's just I'll take it's kind of like supplementing the subbing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that is really, really like you just you have so many possibilities, you know, for for the ways in which you can make it work. And yeah, it's just it's been it's fun. I, I love education. I love yeah. education for this. I love education, actually, for the flexibility of application of skills. Yes, me too. Me too. And so talk to us a little bit just about like the Mindly Games product and like how what yeah. got you interested in educational games, like what kind of games you have. I mean, I know because I love them. Are you ready for this? Because I, I was thinking about that, like what got me interested in education games and you and me, we were doing user research testing. I think we were like part of a classroom group where PBS came to our classroom. Do you oh, remember yeah, that? Yeah, I forgot like, about back, that. Back when they called them digital learning objects and not games, Goodness, <laughs> DLOs. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And so there was this woman there. And I still remember, she was like so nice. I don't remember her name, but I was like so into it. Like I was so excited about like those games. And she pulled me aside when she was leaving and she, she was like, I feel like you would be really good at this. And I was like, oh, thanks. And that just like planted this like furious seed. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. No, and it's, it's ultimately what actually made me want to work at education.com. So I did do the common core tagging. And I also tested their kindergarten games in my classroom when I was still teaching. And so that was the thing that I wanted to do the most. And it was actually like, they were just like really kicking off. I think it was the second grade games when I very first came on Mm -hmm. that lasted a like whopping six months. And then they were like done with games and wanting to move on to interactive worksheets. And I was like, Like, what sounds more fun? Games or interactive, interactive worksheets? worksheets? So then I spent the next two years <laughs> building interactive worksheets. But like, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where I was refusing to let it go. That's kind of actually what led to my good friendship with my, my friend Graham, because he was the CTO at education.com. And we were like these like warriors for games, you know, where we were just like every, like, no, you couldn't have a conversation. We were so annoying. You couldn't have a conversation with us without us trying to like slip in some like permission to build a game somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then for Mindly, what we, we did some, I mean, like I was obsessed with games. Like I was basically just like, that's, I have all of these like books where I was, cause I was trying to constantly sell it, you know, and like figure out a way to get it approved. And so we were doing all this research and there was this really, really cool guy at South by Southwest, Elliot Hedman that, that uh, Graham had met and we got introduced to him and, all of his stuff is incredible. He's done like all of this like user research on like eye sensor training. It's so cool. So he would like, you know, test games with kids and like look at the game and look at what distracted them, you know, or or if they would pay attention to it at all, like what elements it needed to be considered yeah. fun. I think the guy has like a panel picker up right now for South by Southwest where he's focusing on like the whole like do I feel agency in some way? He's doing it with Legos right now. So he's working with Lego. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the the interaction of the parent assisting the child and then the child going on, you know, to build the Legos on their own. And he did something similar with games where he was looking at like, what elements make a good game? 
Mm-hmm. And so we were setting his framework and like trying to re-envision, you know, like, like what would a game like this look like that would be really fun? And so he actually is one of our advisors. Oh, cool. um, yeah. And so like we, you know, we dream up our games and then take them back to him for him to pick apart, you know, and give us, yeah, yeah it's going to be forever until we're actually even able to revise them. Cause again, they're coded, but like just it's, it's been so much fun to figure out what makes it fun for kids and then to go test it with kids and find out that they, they all stole it. <laughs> that also happens, but it, I mean, it, it's, it's great to get the feedback, right? Like, cause so basically what we have is this stance that all of these games that are out there that are meant to teach actually are not really in the greatest service of teachers because you need teachers to teach. And these games that are trying to teach are not really doing a good job to begin with. Mm-hmm. And it takes the autonomy away from the teacher who's actually the person who should be using the tool, you know, to, to reinforce what they've already taught. Absolutely. And so our, our games are built with a focus on engagement. You know, like we're not trying to teach the skill. We're trying to make mastering the skill fun. Yes. And so that's, that's the core tenet of how we approach game development. And it is. And so, yeah, like making the games with these guys is so super fun, right? Like, and the, the feedback process is also really fun because like, so we have that game, it's a dino eggs and there's three little eggs across the bottom and you like answer a question. And then the original version of the game is like, you crack the egg and then it just Now, kids loved this. They thought it was really funny, right? But like when I was actually trying to write the description of the game and how it worked, I was like, Mike, what do I, what do I do here? Like baby dinos for breakfast? Like (laughs) you want to scramble some baby dino eggs? (laughs) Yeah. At first I was like, what's the problem? But yeah, I guess I can see. (laughs) No, and like even me, like I go back and forth. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm like, should we just keep it? that way should we be fun and then and then mike was like why not say that that could be funny (laughs) (laughs) i mean kids would like it right kids kids did like it it. but now now they're helping a baby dino to hatch so now when you crack the egg there's a little baby dino that appears yeah yeah. so making games is literally the funnest thing in the world awesome and what are your plans for growing mindly yeah, so growing. So we're in a tough spot, right? Like we were just talking about like using our, you know, like side jobs to like fund advertising and things like that. So I think for us at the moment, we had this God, I started in January just, you know, really gung The reason I the reason I quit working actually in February because I was like this is the time. Mm-hmm. Like this is when you do back to school planning. Like if we're going to have something that we want to launch that we're proud of, it needs to be by August and if we're going to build traffic via organic, then, you know, this is the time to do it. We did such a good job. Like we really, you know, I, we had so many pages, we were getting like this crazy organic growth that was just like, I mean, I, I was, I was stunned by how well yeah, it was working. Cool. Right. Uh-huh. August comes up and I mean, it's like doing, so back to school happens and like plummet. That's normal, right? Like mm-hmm. I was expecting that. Also still hard though, even though I'm used to what that line looks like, it yeah. is still like every, you know, you just have, when you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. And like, suddenly you're like, we went from like, oh my God, at one point in one month, we got like 17,000 gameplays. 
something crazy like that, you know? And like at one point in a day, we got a thousand. Amazing. And then like, as soon as school got out, (laughs) I think there was a day where we had like 25. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) that dropped more than I anticipated. (laughs) I feel like it's like a special breed of summertime though, like post COVID where people are just like, I'm going hard on vacation. Yeah, no, no screens at all. No screens at all. Yeah. And so that was, that was nerve wracking, but it was also making steady growth, right? Mm-hmm. Up to back to school. And so we were seeing things starting to climb again. I felt like we were, like, I spent the entire summer just like cranking out games, like building new skills and like trying to make sure that we had like as comprehensive as we could, you know, for a launch of skill coverage. And yeah, two big things happened. So one big thing was that there's a bug on our site and like, half the games disappeared from third grade and from kindergarten, which oh were my our, gosh. that's horrible, which were our two biggest drivers of organic oh traffic that goodness. we had gotten so much so far. So that happened and we didn't immediately notice mm-hmm. because you would have to be looking at the filter pages. So we have like this main library page. And then if you go into the filters for kindergarten and third grade, then you'll see that those pages are missing and I was like, I was so focused on SEO in spring that I thought I had us set up pretty well for success. So what I was more focused on was building new games and meeting mm-hmm. new skills. You know, I finally end up coming back to SEO and we've got all these, what they call orphan pages, you know, mm-hmm. and it's these orphan pages are basically like pages that exist in your site map and on your site, but like users have no way to navigate them navigate to them. And even worse, when Google is crawling your site, they can see that this issue is there, which means that they're going to downgrade your ranking. I'm sorry. It is so sad. No, but I mean, like we went through this also, like so many times at education.com, but I was never like in charge of SEO. So (laughs) it's not like your baby. Yeah. And so that was, that was the big emergency that happened. And then the other thing that actually adds, so the use of ads, actually, I think this is helpful for anybody that's potentially trying to start an education business. I learn something random. Most people are only targeting the US. Like when they're running ads on Google search or on Facebook, everybody's always only targeting the US. So Mm -hmm. that's what I was doing too. And I was setting up my very first search campaign through Google and search engine marketing. And uh, I accidentally targeted Georgia, the country. (laughs) (laughs) How'd it go? Amazing. Okay. Like we got all of this traffic, right? Like crazy amount of traffic, like this huge spike. And I was like, whoa, what is that? You know, like this is crazy. And it took me a while to figure out that it was Georgia. But what was interesting is I did notice also a sudden spike in impressions in search organic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a second. They say these things have nothing to do with each other. Like, what is going on here? Like, I'm running ads just to run ads. I'm not running ads because I feel like it influences search engine results. It's not something I was ever taught to do. You know, like, it's Mm -hmm. not something that we talked about previously. And so I look into it and I find out, okay, they actually, you know, Google says these things don't influence each other. But then like a lot of the SEO courses that you can take online, because I went digging for like this Mm -hmm. information will tell you that there is this indirect influence that search engine marketing will have on organic rankings because if people see something in the sponsored section and then also see it in the SERP results, they're more likely to click on it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then the other thing that happened was I, I flipped it to a worldwide ad. 
but I, but I put it to only English because obviously our sure. site is in English. Yeah. So that, that, that helped me to target keywords that were in English that were specifically ones we were trying to rank for. Mm-hmm. I think this is behind why we did so well. So here's the other wah, wah, wah moment. So I get help from Google, you know, mm-hmm. and their Google ads professional. And I had previously had my marketing set to both exact and phrase match, which meant that they were, you know, serving for ads that were very close or exact to the keywords that I was trying to target. And that was having mm-hmm. that great influence on search engine marketing. She was, you know, I'm, I'm t- no idea what I'm doing in most of the, I'm like, so, so learning as we go. Like, yeah, great. I mean, I think that's good for people to, instead of it being like, oh, it's totally like unapproachable. Like, it's like, yeah, you gotta just like be in it. Yeah. And Google ads is really confusing. Like it really took me a long time even to launch my first ad. Like mm-hmm. even launching my first ad took months because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I would like, I would like open the tool, you know, where you create the ads and be totally overwhelmed and just close it. Oh yeah. I've only gotten to that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so finally they have, I think Google can see when you're getting a lot of traffic. So they assigned a rep to us, you know, to, to help us for free, which I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is really cool. And so she helps and she's like, Hey, you want to change your keywords to broad match. This is going to get you so much more traffic. Cause I was like talking about like wanting to be back to school and I changed it to broad match. And like, unfortunately, like broad match is so broad <laughs> that like when somebody searches, say for instance, for like Starfall, uh-huh. I, I saw, cause we have this tool for SEO for SEMrush and it shows what ad keywords you're showing up for. And I, so I started seeing that we were showing up for ad keywords like Starfall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no. And then suddenly I see our organic starting to drop. Oh no. Right. So we had those two things coalescing at the same time. We had the bug on the site that caused like a huge portion of our games to disappear Ugh. that had the most search traffic. Plus we're getting these huge spikes from Google where they're seeing we have this problem. Yeah. Right. And like games are suddenly disappearing and we're losing keywords and then I have this other problem where the, the search engine marketing also isn't reinforcing it. And so like it's been, we, we decided we were only going to be running ads until the end of August. We just fixed these things. We did change it back to the not broad terms or like the exact. Yeah, no, 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 I did. I, cha- I yeah. changed it back. And I, I, I kept some of the broad because, you know, like I was like, okay, I do see the benefit here. But like, I would, again, if you're trying to use search engine marketing to influence SEO, you mm-hmm. have to be careful there mm-hmm. with what you choose. Yeah. Do you choose the exact or do you choose the broad? And yeah. I'm really, really grateful that that school is like willing to have me as a substitute. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's like, this is just like one spot on the like journey. Yeah. It's like, yeah, stuff like that has happened to me too. Of being like, like, oh wait, what happened? Like something broke, you know? Like you never, and it's always, I feel like it's always after like, oh, this is going great. Like, or the, or this is the most important time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the biggest one. Here we go. But it's like all of that is just part of the process. I know. You know? It I think it's and like, it's all right, okay. now you know, right? And I mean, you know, too, like that pie, right? Like most of your pie was coming from consulting and like a little bit of educator yeah. forever. And like, yeah. I feel like you just, you can't force it. No, you know, like it's going to, that pie will switch, you know, in terms of what's bringing in the majority when it's the right time. And like, you can resist or you can just kind of go with it and be like, okay, I'm supposed to be teaching right now. That's actually best for me anyways. And I know that. So like, yeah. Yeah. 
Totally. Absolutely. And you can like learn through the process. It's kind exactly. of like you, even like similar to you back in the day, like taking on another teaching job while doing the education consulting for education.com. You know, yeah, it's like, totally. it seems like it's like a similar phase. Yeah. Right? It is. Like, yeah. All right. So. Like doing this as like your base. I yeah. always used to call it, you know, like my base of like what I can expect in terms of income and then everything else is like, getting it off the ground. Yeah. And like I said, we're so lucky to be in education and have so many options. It's just, we really are. Yeah, we really, I really are. And again, being with kids in the classroom, I know most people who are looking to transition out of the classroom are exhausted just like I was, and they might actually need that break. But after that break, usually I feel like they, so a lot of people will feel the same way that I did, you know, and be like, actually kids and teachers are amazing for me. And like, it's not like, it's actually a great thing to be able to go back and like dip in. Yes. And dip in totally. Like, and if you decide you want to be a classroom teacher forever, like, great. Amazing. Yeah. If you decide you want to like do something of your own and do subbing, you know, like you can create for anybody the mix that works for you in that moment. And I think like you're saying, like the opportunity is that there are so many, right? So it's yeah. really just figuring out like what will meet your needs in the moment and also mm-hmm. what feels good to you. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your journey. Do you have any final advice for people who are maybe thinking about leaving the classroom or trying something else? Maybe if they're not even leaving the classroom, like trying something else out there in education. Yeah. I mean, my biggest advice would be like, if you're interested at all in things outside of the classroom, don't wait until you're burned out. That would be like the biggest advice because I feel like, you know, you don't want to get to that desperate place where you're like, I got to get out of this. You know, because you're just so tired, you want to be able to start to create that flexibility and options for yourself as soon as you can. And and if you are in that place where you are burnt out, you're in good company because that's where I was. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like just be patient with the process because you can think you found something and you think it's working and then suddenly it didn't work and you have to go back for a second. But doesn't mean you failed. Like it totally doesn't mean you failed. It means you're very like, you know, flexible, brave. And, and you can keep on trying. Yes. And there are always new things to try. Awesome. Well, where can people find out more about Mindly or connect with you? Yeah, they can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always down to meet new people. And Mindly Games is mindlygames.com. So yes, please come check and tell people. Tell yes. Because the, the other marketing efforts aren't working. Tell people. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Everybody go play these games. My kids love playing them. Test them out. Use them in your classroom. Yes. And feedback. Oh, my God. Like, if people would be willing to give feedback, they can they can find me at Tatum at MindlyGames.com. Like, I'm just always, like, I would love so much to hear from people that were – I, like, randomly will try to reach out to people that have signed up for our email lists. and like, nobody ever responds. Nobody will ever give me feedback. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we can have people give you feedback. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm really lucky because, again, I, I have I have some kids in the real world that are willing to play the games and, like, give feedback and users. But, like, I would just love to have just, like, a broader mix of, of that would be great. Yeah. And if you have, like, critiques, like, just give it, like – I'm ready. Yes, like I would love absolutely. to just hear what people think. So that's great. And it's free for people to try out the games. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that we did it is there's a portion of the games that are for free and a portion of the games that are premium. Cause that's like kind of our great. special sauce is that we develop like 10 games per skill so that like if kids have to master multiplication facts, they don't just have one game that they can play. They have like literally 10 different games that they can play as they're going through. But on the homepage, we set up so that all of the games are free so that you can kind of like do a taster of all of them. So you go to the home and then on the first row is the game of the week. And we're trying to like put something out that's actually useful and change it every week. 
And then underneath that, you've got some featured games for every grade and all of those games are free. And that represents like the majority of the collection that we have right now. Like as we add new games, we're trying to make sure that we can find some space to rotate new games in so that people are able to try them. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. It's so nice to see you. You too. Have a great day. Ready to find rewarding, impactful work in the education world? Take our free quiz to discover your next right career step. Will you be a curriculum developer, an education consultant, instructional coach? The list of possibilities goes on and on. Take the quiz to find out the best fit for you at educatorforever.com slash quiz. You'll also receive customized resources to kickstart your dream career and life.